This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's up, y'all? It's your host, Will, coming back for a new episode of the Hunt Stand Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, we want to thank you for tuning in. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back and thanks for tuning in again. We really appreciate all y'all's support, all of those that have listened to the Hunt Stand Podcast. We couldn't be doing this without y'all, so we just want to say thank you. If you haven't checked out the Hunt Stand app yet today, make sure you head on over to the Google Play Store or the Apple Store and check out the HuntStand app. Download it. We do have a free version where you can get some of the features. And if you want to unlock all the tools and features of the app, upgrade to Pro today. On today's episode, we have none other than Mr. Iron Will Bill, Bill Vanderhaden. He's going to be coming on and talking to us about how he's gotten to where he's at, where he is in life. He owns Iron Will Outfitters, Iron Will Broadheads, as most of you know, and he's going to get on here today to talk to us about that, and he's also going to talk about something that, like a little controversial in the archery world. We're going to be looking at arrow speed versus arrow mass. Some of y'all like those super light arrows that zip and go right through stuff, and then some of y'all also like those super Lincoln log heavy arrows that zip through stuff as well, and so... Bill's an engineer. He knows these things. He can dive into this and dig into it and really get y'all some analytical information, if you will. He knows a lot more than I do. He's well more educated than I am. And so we get him on here to pick his brain on that and maybe get you some information that you can add to your arsenal. Whatever arrow setup you have this year, or whatever arrow setup you're looking at, potentially switching over to, Bill might have some information for you in this podcast and so we're going to get him on here to talk about that i'm gonna quit rambling and we hope you enjoy this episode of the hunt stand podcast well bill man first and foremost just want to thank you for hopping on the hunt stand podcast really really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me this morning so man welcome yeah thanks will happy to be here um looking forward to, to talking to you i know we visited a few times over the years and mm-hmm. uh, always good to, always good to get together Heck yeah, man. I'm excited about this one. You know, one of the, one of the things I like to do before we start diving down rabbit holes, I love for the guests to kind of give the listeners that may or may not know you, I want you to kind of give them a 30 foot tree stand view of who you are. So give us a little bit, you know, on your background, what you do and uh, what you love about hunting and kind of how you've gotten to where you are today. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in Wisconsin, um, bow hunting, whitetails, my father, grandfather were bow hunters. So, you know, it's, um, I guess I'm from a long, long line of uh, hunting and fishing there, around there. I, um, you know, I love bow hunting whitetails, moved to Colorado 23 years ago now, I think, and, um, just got obsessed with bow hunting for elk and, and really bow hunting the, the mountains in the Western states, still a, still a whitetail hunting too, but 
really got into that. Um, at the same time, I'm a mechanical engineer, so I, um, you know, I've worked for several companies over 25 years developing components, mechanisms, you know, engineering products at a high level for other companies. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had a, a broadhead fail on an elk shoulder blade back in 2004. So I guess that's like 18 years ago now. And at that point, I was really, um, you know, I wounded that bull. It really bothered me that I wasn't applying my engineering knowledge to to something that was so so important to me, which yeah. was, you know, success, <laughs> bow hunting success, I guess. And I, you know, I looked at the broadhead and saw that, man, there's a lot of failure modes. I understand how it failed now, just hitting the scapula. And why don't I, you know, research, find something better or make something better. So that just started me out in a long path of of testing a lot of heads, designing, developing my own head, iterating for many years. And um eventually came came to market with it about five years ago. Um left my corporate job in engineering and and um started a started a company doing this. And yeah, I really what I really wanted to do is just make a product that um where maximum the maximum performance was number one. Um and yeah. then you know price where price where it needed to be to have a business, but really wanted to design products that um outperform and use the latest engineering. And uh yeah, so that's what I'm doing now is lead engineer, but um, you know, owner. Um so I run the company and develop all the products currently and and we're growing and I'm busy. And I try to bow on as much as I can. <laughs> all year so i can test test the products and that's really what i love doing is is bow hunting um so yeah that's me in a nutshell i guess man tell us about the the rapid growth that you've seen with iron will over the past few years yeah it's kind of hard to believe i didn't i didn't expect it to grow like this you know for the first two years I was doing side jobs and, you know, not pulling a paycheck and the company wasn't making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, our, the cost of our materials and our processes is, uh, it's a majority of our selling price. So our margins weren't that high. I really didn't feel like, um, I mean, my goal was, yeah, I didn't want to have to do other work. I just do this, but I didn't know that people would want to pay, you know, three times as much for broadheads, even though the performance was, was there. Yeah. I just didn't know it would really go take off, but, and, and, you know, we, we struggle with that at the beginning. I think people are like, why would I pay a hundred bucks for three heads when I can get them for 30 bucks? But, um, when people started using them and just passing on that, Hey, this thing, like just went through two shoulder blades stuck in the ground and I can still shave hair with it and, or penetrated lengthwise through an elk. <laughs> yeah. They're like blown away and want to tell people about it. And that's really helped us explode. So on a minimal marketing budget, we've really grown a lot year after year and you know at this point i just just hired three more people and um, we just expanded our manufacturing um, more machines so it's um yeah it's it's crazy how much it, it keeps uh keeps growing i guess it's kicking into high gear man that's big that's awesome so kind of tell us can you give any insight on some big things that might be coming down the pipeline for 2022, 2023 for Iron Will or still keeping that under wraps? Yeah, well, the new things for 2022 um, are a hundred grain single bevel head. Mm-hmm. So we just introduced, we'd been, we'd been making double bevel, you know, our broadheads for those that don't know, it's uh, you got a main, a main blade and a bleeder um, you know, premium blade steel, a tool steel, so it has very high toughness on with edge retention, but a main blade and a bleeder, and they've been double bevel on, on the different head designs. Um, and then last year we added single bevel to that. And so it's really the same blade shapes, but you know, you're grinding one side, not two. And so it adds this rotation to an animal. That's become really popular. Um, and there's trade-offs between the two, but they they both were great, basically, um, single bevel or double bevel. But we only made that in a 125 grain on up last year. So this year we did some redesign to get one down to 100 grains, and that's one we we launched for this year. And that's that's really popular. We're selling that one already now. Um, another thing that's coming out, I don't know when this podcast will be out, but probably about to probably before this podcast comes out, but um, pretty soon here in a week or so. 
Um, I make a couple of knives, um, ultralight hunting knives that weigh just about an ounce. Mm. So what I've wanted is a, you know, a really light hunting knife for backpack, backcountry hunting, but but yet it was a premium steel with good sharpness edge retention. Mm-hmm. So we had a K1 and a K2. K1 was kind of an all-purpose. K2 was more a skinning specific knife where it has a, a wider blade and a larger sweeping radius. So yeah. when you're when you're skinning the hide, um, you can't poke through it very easily. You know, if it's a, let's say you shoot a great buck and you really want to ha- have it mounted and you want to skin the hide off and not, not have a bunch of holes through it for your taxidermist. So <laughs> yeah. that big sweeping blade is better. <laughs> and we're about to come out with the, our, our second generation of that K2 skinning knife. So it'll be ultra light. It'll have some improvements over um, the prior model. And um, we showed that at Total Archery Challenge and a lot of people are interested in that. So that should be available here in first week in August too. Heck yeah. Yeah, I think I just saw something on your Instagram. I saw that. I'm like, ah, well, that looks pretty sick. Well, sweet, man. Well, no, I, I love everything Iron Will's doing. Definitely going to be using the broadheads myself when I'm chasing after some elk this fall. So really excited about that. Been doing some testing lately and um, I'm excited. I'm excited what that's going to do to an elk shoulder. So, man, one of the reasons why I'm getting you on the podcast is because your extensive background and your engineering mind, your knowledge, and just like I know just as well as you know, uh, I'd say one of the big debates in archery is arrow speed versus penetration. There are guys that want the arrow that's super fast and they just penetration. Yes, it's there in the back of their mind, but they're not worried about getting a full pass through. And then there's other guys that they're not worried about arrow speed. They just want to get a full pass through and they want blood coming out both sides of whatever they're chasing. So I want to frame this conversation on arrow speed versus penetration. And I want to kind of get you to tell us a little bit about both, but first kind of tell us a little bit about pros and cons and the importance of arrow speed. So, and it's really a, an arrow speed versus arrow mass right. discussion because your bow, you know, your bow is going to have this draw force curve and that's really the area end of that curve. So it's, you know, at each distance back, it's going to be applying a different force, you know, to the arrow and whatever arrow you put on the front, it, that's pretty constant. Your draw force curve doesn't really, isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be able to put a certain amount of, you know, energy into that arrow um, or a certain amount of of momentum yeah yeah so really then your choice is okay <clears throat> it's it's really that momentum downrange that'll determine penetration that mass times velocity mm-hmm. and this is isn't really debatable it's it's newton's second law of motion yeah. force equals mass times acceleration um so force equals mass times acceleration acceleration is change of velocity over time you know, move time over the other side of the equation, you get force times time is equal to mass times change of velocity. So that's your change of momentum. So whatever momentum you have downrange at impact, that mass times velocity, that'll really determine how much your arrow will penetrate that, that force. It's really kind of that force over time that is going to be applied to that arrow to push it through. Okay. Right. So, you can choose a different broadhead that has lower force to penetrate and get that, you know, one-to-one improvement. If you use a broadhead that takes half the force to penetrate, it'll go through twice as long or about twice as far through. So that's a big factor that can help you penetration. But if we just talk about, um, for a given broadhead with a given force, the way to increase your penetration is have more retain momentum downrange that mass times velocity. Okay. So, And so it, it's your bow. Um, you can really choose. And when I say in, in general, your mass will give you a little more benefit over velocity, but you have this drop off in trajectory. So my general recommendation, if you're, if you're just after max penetration, my recommendation is go as, go as high as you can in mass for the trajectory that you want, you know, so limited by the trajectory that you want to see. Okay. Um, but there's not a huge benefit to mass. It's not like 
going from 500 to 550 grains is going to double your penetration. It's not that big of a factor. Um, it's more of a continuous, you know, improvement in this retained momentum. And the reason for that is, um, you have drag on the arrow mm-hmm. and drag is proportional to velocity squared. So a light, fast arrow will slow down more than a, a slower, heavier arrow. It'll, it'll slow down more, you know, percentage wise. So if you right. have, I mean, let's say you have a 350 grain arrow going 340 feet per second or something like that. Mm-hmm. You're going to see more, um, more drop in velocity in that arrow than, you know, a 550 grain going 260 feet per second, something like that. Um, it's not going to be a two to one difference. It's going to be, a, you know, um, but it kind of depend on your boat, what it's going to be and your, your setup and your fletchings and, and everything, but you will get, you'll get a little more retained momentum with that higher mass. Um, but you know, there's a trade-off there with trajectory. And for me personally, um, it ends up being, you know, around 500 grain or maybe 500 to 530 grains. And, uh, you know, I've got a 30 inch draw. My bows are 70 to 75 pound. Mm-hmm. And I like to be able to dial out to 120 yards on my, um, you know, my site and be able to shoot long range, total archery challenge and events like that. And then use the same setup for hunting. Um, so typically I'm going around 280, 280, 285 feet per second. Um, with that 500 to 530 grain, you know, arrow typically. I, I often recommend for out west big game hunting, kind of 450 to 550 grains, I think is a nice range. And where you fall in that is just kind of depending on how you feel about, um, you know, do you want it a little be a little faster, a little flatter, or you want it to be a little, um, a little heavier, maybe a little bit more penetration, but it's not going to be quite as flat a trajectory. But, um, you know, that, I think that's a good range kind of for most out west big game hunters and really kind of all all hunting in general. When you're talking about that trajectory, where do you kind of, you know, you're talking faster, flatter, or a little bit heavier, which is going to give you more of that arc per se and slower. So where do you kind of find that sweet spot? Do you like a faster, flatter shooting bow or do you want something that's going to have a little bit more trajectory. What I'd personally like to do is if I'm getting over 290 feet per second, mm-hmm. I'd rather just add, I'd rather just add some weight. I think that, um, getting up, I mean, I had a setup that was, um, what was it? I think 420 grains going, you know, 311 feet per second. Um, and I could get it to, I could get it to tune in and fly well with broadheads, but I could tell you it was just, more touchy, you know, it was less forgiving. And so I personally think, you know, with a fixed blade broadhead on the front, or really kind of any broadhead on front, um, that you're, you're better off adding a little mass if you're that highest speed. Um, I mean, I don't really see the need for it. So I'm going to say, well, it's a little flatter. If you range and it moves a few yards, you'll have less, um, you know, you'd be off by less. And, you know, I understand that, mm-hmm. but 290 or just 310 or something is not that much difference in, no. uh, you know, how much drop. And if it makes it, it makes your a little more mass, makes your bow quieter. Um, it, it makes it easier to tune, more forgiving if you're all excited and you torque your bow a little bit. Um, because that, that drag force is proportional to velocity squared. So you end up with a lot more you know, a lot higher forces, forces potentially on your arrow at, at higher speed. Okay. So when you, t- when you talk about adding mass to an arrow, I think there's a couple of listeners, like, I think I know what you're talking about, that, but there's a few listeners that may not necessarily know. So are you talking about adding a heavier field point? Are you talking about putting a collar on the point, heavier veins? Like wh- what does Bill do to add mass to an arrow? Yeah. Um, well, first off, arrow, arrow flight's kind of number one there. You want to make sure you're having good arrow flight. And so, um, you know, so a few things there. 
you want to make sure your bow is tuned. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean that the knock is pushing directly in line with your rest and that the arrow comes off straight. Yeah. And, you know, you know, pa- paper tuning, bear shaft tuning, there's, there's a bunch of um, information out there on how to do that. But so kind of number one, make sure your bow is tuned. So your arrow is coming off straight. Make sure it's properly spined. And so that's the problem people have when they try to hit a certain mass or a certain FOC is a lot of times they just add a bunch of point weight and they're not properly spined. And, and there's a lot wrong with that. And I, I see it in videos out there where arrows have excessive flexing. Um, and that's not good. I mean, mm-hmm. that momentum, like I said, that momentum, mass times velocity at impact will determine your penetration. And that's really a linear number. So it's in a straight line. Any momentum that's, if your arrow is flexing six inches back and forth, all that movement out of plane is you're wasting energy and that impact, it's not driving in a straight line. Now it's more driving that it could bend your arrow over to the side or, um, or reduce penetration. So being properly spined is important or even a little bit, um, overspined, a little bit stiff, I think is, is good for bow hunting compared to being the other side, which is a little bit weak. Yeah. Um, so, um, and just touch on FOC, I think having the center of mass of your arrow forward is a good thing for stability. Um, so it can make them fly a bit better. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to have a major impact on penetration. If your bow is tuned and your arrow is going straight, FOC doesn't actually come into the equation on penetration. Um, but if it helps you fly better and you know, I'm not opposed to increasing FOC a bit, um, but you know, 12 to 16% is typically the range that I, I like to shoot for. Um, and oh, one other thing I was going to say is, so tune your bow, um, properly spined, and yep. then have good stability. So have enough vein on the back for your broadhead on the front. And what flies well for your field point might not be enough for your broadheads. Right. Um, if you use a little target fletch, don't expect that to work well for broadheads. Um, especially a fixed even, blade. Yeah, especially a fixed blade. But I mean, even, yeah, even uh, a lot of mechanicals, I mean, they don't have as much surface area, mm-hmm. but they're longer and there's often aren't quite as straight. Um, and so you need more stabilizing on the back. So, so yeah, the kind of the, the three things there to make sure you have good arrow flight that I mm-hmm. want to mention is you know, a tuned bow, properly spined. And the third one is having good stability of your arrow. And what, what mainly that's having enough fletch and back for the broadhead up front. And this is important for fixed blades, but even for mechanicals that are, you know, longer and have little, might have a little more surface area, might not be quite as straight typically yeah. as, um, from fixed blades, but, um, little target fletching is probably not going to do it. Probably not going to stabilize it enough when you have a broadhead on the front. And I kind of recommend, um, I think what's most efficient is three veins that are about a half inch high and with, with some rotation there, you know, two and a half, three degree helical or offset, um, that rotational will help balance out any, or kind of average out any, any issues of straightness and things like that. What kind of veins do you find fly best? I mean, obviously everybody's setup is going to be different. There's different variances, but out of your setup, you know, obviously you're shooting iron wheel. So what kind I know people are going to ask like, well, I'm shooting iron wheel. What kind of vein is Bill shooting? Yeah. So the ones I've, I've shot a lot. I mean, I've hunted with them for at least a year or two. Um, you know, you know, about years ago, I was shooting blazers a lot. So I know, um, blazers, um, max hunters, mm-hmm. uh, Q2I fusion two, um, are a few for instance. And what's the similar about all these, they're all about 0.55 inches high and they're two inches or a little bit longer than two inch. Um, and I would kind of put those in the category of kind of best stabilizing and then there's some that are about a half inch high or maybe just slightly under like max stealth. Um, a few that are a little bit shorter, but a little bit longer that, um, 
to me, they don't stabilize quite as well, but they're also quite good. Um, and I, I've, I've used those as well, like the Max Stealth. Um, and you can kind of look at the surface area of the vein and, and have and that would be somewhat predict, you know, how stabilizing will it be? But really height does more for you than length because the velocity, there's kind of this um, boundary layer effect with the air flowing down the shaft that the air near the shaft isn't at full speed. It isn't at the 280 feet per second. Right. You know, probably, probably once you're up at a quarter inch away from the arrow, it probably is. So if you kind of look at how much area there is, that's a quarter inch or higher on the vein, I think that's probably a better predictor of how, how much it will stabilize. But, but yeah, three, um, yeah, the ones I I'm currently using a lot are, um, like the, the max hunter is one that I'm setting up. I used last year and we'll use this year mm-hmm. and it's, I think it's 0.55 or 0.58, something like that inches high and a little over two inches long at three degree. Um, I think I actually have these at 2.75. So I say like two and a half to three degrees offset yeah. or heat, get some rotation there. It's good. Well, I think you just made my mind up for me cause that's what I've kind of been going back and forth between. So max owners is probably what I'll run. <laughs> Yeah. And I would say there's a lot of guys that are shooting our heads that are using shorter veins than this and they're doing okay. And what it does, it, it's just a little less, it, it's, it's a little less stable, right? Yeah. But if, if you have good form and you're spying correctly and your bow's well tuned and there's nothing to correct or minimal, minimal kind of errors mm-hmm. to correct when that arrow comes off, you can get by with, you know, a little bit, a little less, stabilizing what i'm kind of shooting for is is um let's maximize the stability with kind of having minimal negative effect you know so the weight of these you know three veins is not is not excessive because they're fairly short in length um the drag is not too bad i've even at two and a half three degrees i don't see much difference between that and a zero or one degree for drop at distance um and yeah in the T- testing against some shorter veins, I'm not seeing much difference either. So I don't see many drawbacks and just adds stabilizing. I'd say a drawback might be your vein clearance, but I think with a drop away rest, that's pretty, pretty manageable. Most yeah, people. absolutely. So I kind of, I kind of want to come back to the whole, um, arrow speed versus, uh, velocity talk. So coming back to it, you know, we're, we, we've kind of covered a few, I guess you could say pros and cons, of each and what you might be looking at in terms of trying to select which arrow is best for you. Um, let's, let's, let's go ahead and rip the bandaid off. Which one would you rather prefer? I guess when it comes to the aerospeed versus velocity, what's bill going to lean more towards? It's, there's really kind of a, a happy medium, I think, you know, for, for what I want. And it's, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm hunting whitetails. I'm also hunting a lot of OS big game. Yeah. You know, I've, whether it's caribou, elk, antelope, mule deer, there's longer shots there. And, and I'm not advocating shooting beyond your range. Certainly I mm-hmm. shoot, I shoot long range every day and shoot broadheads, um, along with field points daily to make sure that my, um, you know, my bow stayed in tune, nothing's wrong. That first shot with a broadhead at long range is going to do well. So first I want to say, don't shoot beyond your, your rent, you know, your capabilities. I've worked really hard to push my distance out from 40 to 60 to 80, you know, on, um, you know, my effective range, just with that first shot when yeah. conditions aren't, aren't maybe perfect, but hopefully they're pretty close. If I'm shooting that far. So, you know, I want to, if I got a big bull elk and conditions are right, standing at 80 yards, I don't think I can get any closer. I'm going to take that shot. You know, some people will, um, you know, say that's, that's not right or whatever, but I can tell you that if I practice daily to a hundred and I know I I'm hitting in a eight inch circle at a hundred with broadheads, I know they can kill that elk at 80 with, yeah. can, with the right. Yeah. Right? Y- yeah. You get, com- um, you get comfortable with it. Yeah. And I mean, not a, and, and really there's a time when I couldn't, there's a time when like, I would get so ex- freaking excited that I, I'd, you know, lose my mind a little bit and <laughs> something would go wrong right? <laughs> yeah. you know, through experience and putting a lot of animals on the ground and killing a lot of big bulls. I'm, I still get so excited 
when it's happening, but I'm able to kind of channel that to make sure, you know, use that intensity to make sure that, okay, I'm drawn back. My form's right. I'm executing the shot. I'm holding solid, you know, and, uh, you know, so there's a lot to that making long shots on, on animals, but let's say you've gone through all that and you're, you're able to do that. Yep. Um, to me, I want an accurate 80 yard shot, say on an, on an animal, you know, I practiced a 120 and, um, I, I know I can kill someone at 80. So for me, if I range at 80 and this happened to me, um, a few years ago on that big bull I shot in Colorado, um, I ranged it. It was, it was coming in, coming in, barking at me. It was about to blow up. You know, I got, it got to 80, um, and it, it whirled and took once, you know, what it looked like one step back and turned broadside, you know, so I ranged it at 80, it was at 82. Um, and so, you know, there's a little difference there, right? In 80 or 82. Just a little um, bit. But I, I judged it, dialed to 80, uh, you know, dialed 82, let it fly, hit it perfect inch in front of the crease and you know, the arrow went through it and found it 20 yards past where the bull was standing, a big, huge body bull, um, my biggest and, um, you know, made the shot. So to me, and that was a, that was a 515 grain arrow going, you know, 280, 285, um, feet per second. Yeah. To me, that's to me, that's a, that's a pretty good sweet spot for me. Yeah. I could add more mass. Yeah, I could go 550 or 600 or 650, but my trajectory, and I, I've done it. I've played around with it. My trajectory drops off too far and I don't, I don't want it to drop off that too far. So for me, um, I know I'm going to penetrate fine. You know, I passed through that bowl. Plus it went 20 yards with an arrow that weighed 515 grains. So is there a reason for me to add more mass? Not really. Um, if it was Cape Buffalo or hippo or something, yeah, I would, I would do something differently. I would go, I'd probably go 700 grain arrow. Yeah. If I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot 25 yards and under at a really big animal. I might do something differently, but for me, I want to be able to hit that animal at a greater distance. Um, you know, for a lot of whitetail hunters, probably doesn't matter a whole lot. Um, mm -hmm. really if you're under four, if your shots are say under 40, which, you know, it's rare that I get a shot over 30, 35 bow hunting. I think I shot one at 42 a few years ago when it just happened to be across a ravine that I could see it had an opening. Um, but typically they're under, under 30. It doesn't matter a whole lot, really. Uh, what's more important I'd say is that your arrow's going straight and you got a, a strong, sharp, solid broadhead in the front in case you do hit some, you know, they, they duck and turn and they, Oh, yeah. I'm more likely to get a bad shot on a whitetail at 25 than an elk at 80, to be honest with you, because they move. Big um, time. And uh, I shot my biggest whitetail last year, which was about 160 inch buck. And it was broadside when I shot. And this is at 32 yards. Wow. And it ducked and spun. And it ended up being uh, a sharp quartering away. I got a little lucky, I guess, that it, um, you know, went right through it. Um, came out and it was a good kill shot, but it was, um, you know, they move so dang much, um, mm -hmm. that they might, and I had a doe that ducked and turned into me. Um, and it ended up going right through the, um, you know, the lower part of that shoulder bone that, you know, near the knuckle. Um, so even though she was broadside when I shot. So anyway, I think having a strong, durable broadhead that can make it through bone is important, but whether you're 420 or 620, I don't know that it, I think you're going to go through the, through the animal. Cause I think you're going to have enough momentum there. Mass times velocity at that impact. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I think about whitetail. They aren't, they aren't that, I mean, yeah, the bones are, are, are bones, you know, um, but they're small, but they aren't that heavy or hard of an animal and they're a lot smaller than an elk. They're, mm -hmm. they're not a buffalo. No need to go, you know, 700 grains. Personally, that's kind of my thinking on it. But you can if you want, because your trajectory yeah. is only about 30 yards, right? Yeah. So I don't, I tell people when they ask me, what should I, I want to maximize my penetration. What should I do for mass? I'm like, well, how far are you shooting? And, um, you know, if you're really on that bandwagon that you want to go massive, I'm not going to talk you out of it if you're only going to shoot mm -hmm. 25 yards or something. What I'll talk you out of is doing anything that would make poor arrow flight 
or excessive flexing of the arrow. So yeah, go nuts on mass and FOC as long as your, um, your arrow's coming perfectly straight up your bow and it's spined properly. And that's where people struggle when they try to get too heavy yeah. or too high FOC from what I see a lot. And see, and that's where I think that I hear most of the conclusive evidence when it comes to this, this whole debate, if you will. Because uh, I know there's guys out there that preach that you need to be shooting a six, six fifty, and nothing less. And then there's guys out there that preach the opposite side of the spectrum. But at the end of the day, like, you know, after listening to you talk, like th- th- there's really no conclusive evidence other than what you just said. It, it all comes down to the tuning straight arrow coming off the bow and a couple other factors. But when it comes to lighter or heavier, it just depends on you, the shooter and what you're shooting and what your end game and goal is. Right. Yeah. When I, my first, when I first finalized the broadhead years ago, I was shooting a 420 grain arrow. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, a it's an older bow. And I think I was getting 265 feet per second. It was like a Matthew switchback XT. So yeah. And I shot an elk at 54 yards, got a complete pass through, and it's literally stuck into the sandy dirt 10 yards past it and could shave hair. And that's a 420 grain arrow. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, um, like I said, you can get more penetration with higher mass, but it's not like a two, three X or anything. It's a, it's a continuous improvement. And it's really based kind of on a couple of things. Your bow is a little more efficient with, with the heavier arrow, you know, it's, when it's when it's really light you know you you'll get more sound more vibration you there's a little bit of loss of efficiency but mm-hmm. you know it might be a five percent it's not it's not a huge number um yeah. and, and then you get that you get it more slowing down um with the higher velocity lighter arrow but at 20 yards it's not going to matter very much right um if you're further out there that's when i think carrying a little more mass um, can help you with that penetration at further distances but it's 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 not that big of a factor as I think people are making it out to be. And I think a happy medium there is is probably best for most people. All right, y'all, we're going to interrupt this podcast real quick for a quick word from our sponsors. The Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Bowtech Archery. Refuse to follow. If you're in the market for a new bow this fall, make sure you check out Bowtech and the easy tuning capabilities of the deadlock system. I've been shooting the SR350 this year, and tuning that thing has been so easy. Don't have to worry about twisting strings or doing any of that razz and jazz. So if that's what you're looking for, make sure you check out Bowtech Archery today. Up next, we got Lacrosse Boots and their Navigator Series. The world is raw, rugged, and relentless. Navigate it accordingly. The Navigator Series is born to take your hunt further. Check out the comfortable and versatile line of lace-up hunting boots from Lacrosse today. Up next, we got Federal Premium. Go beyond what you ever thought possible with their lineup of Terminal Ascent ammunition. I've been using this ammo this year so far, and it has worked phenomenally for me. From Predators all the way up to a beautiful Hill Country, Texas Axis Buck, it worked amazingly. One shot, that buck didn't go anywhere, about 250 yards. That book dropped right in his tracks. Literally didn't have to do any tracking. So if you're in the market for some new ammunition, check out Federal Premium and their lineup of Terminal Ascent. Up next, we got Browning, the best there is. I'll be using their new lineup of Ovix gear this fall, so I'm really excited to check that out and just get to use it this fall all the way from the Whitetail Woods up in the mountains chasing elk. And finally, we got WorkSharp, the knife sharpening company. I use their MK2 knife sharpener on every knife in my house, in the kitchen, in my pack. It makes sharpening your knives a breeze. My wife even loves to use this thing. It makes everything super easy. So if that's what you're looking for, make sure you check out WorkSharp today. All right, y'all, we're going to get back to this episode of the Hunt Stand Podcast. I agree. Yeah, it's kind of like what you're just saying. Like, you know, it seems like 20, 30 yards. It doesn't seem like it really makes that big a difference it's when you start getting out in those big ranges and it could affect that 80 yard shot on that elk like you took yeah and yeah and wind drift i mean uh a heavier arrow has less wind drift typically too i mean there's other you know factors but i would say for most people is you know shut off the internet and uh Go, go out and test it for yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's got strong opinions on it. And unfortunately, there's too many people 
stating their opinion as fact and and often saying things that just don't agree with physics you know um, really Newton's second law of motion is what's going to tell you what's happening out there and some people say things that defy laws of physics like um you might have heard recently that uh i'm not going to say names but there was a recent podcast i listened to and it said yeah we're we're hearing that slower moving arrows um are actually getting more penetration on you know like bows that are less than 70 pounds are penetrating cape buffalo better than bows that are higher than 70 pounds well the physics isn't doesn't make any sense there you know it's that mass times velocity and you're going to get higher yeah. momentum off, off a heavy higher poundage bow yeah. um, and you can't really argue that you're going to get if you got a higher poundage or longer draw weight either of those will give you more penetration mm-hmm. kind of a one-to-one and that's that you know increasing that draw force curve you're going to get more energy or more momentum into the arrow so anyway that's what i was going to say there is you know there's, there's so much stuff out there that's bad information yeah it's really better to go and it's really better to go and try it for yourself go out and you know um and and go you know and start with field points at different weights maybe different arrows go and shoot and see what your trajectory looks like mm-hmm. and you can go from let's say you've been at 420 forever and you're thinking maybe you want to go 470 um just go get an arrow setup that'll do that and be properly spined um, and go shoot some groups. I know I used to do that. It's it's funny how people don't want to go, for instance, from a hundred grain to a 125 grain head. They're like, got it in their head. I've always shot hundred grain, man. I don't want to go that heavy. Well, on, on a, you know, on a, um, on a 500 grain arrow, that's only a 5% difference in mass. I think people have it in their head that these are big numbers it's not that much 50 grains is a 10 percent yeah it's, it's not, not that much guys. go out just go out and test it i know that's what i did initially personally is when i started well maybe i should go up in mass from you know 420 to 470 we'll go shoot some groups and mm-hmm. you'll see that maybe you're going to hit a couple inches difference to 60 yards inside that doesn't matter um you know i just set up two two arrows because i'm testing 100 grain um, single bevels versus 125 grain single bevels for flight at long range. Yeah. And I got, I set up a new bow and, um, I'm setting up with, um, with an arrow where I can swap out the head and the impact collar to keep the mass close, but it's still a 10 grain difference. So yeah. I can go from a hundred grain head with a 25 grain collar to a 125 grain head and a 10 grain collar. So, so then the, the head and collar is going from 125 to 135. I had the same point of impact at 100 yards with those two. Yeah, that's not so, that, that's not that big of a difference. Yeah, I mean within an inch, and that's what I calculate. It should be like within an inch difference at 100 yards. Yeah. So, um, and that's 10 grains. Um, so I think people get get hung up on on that weight difference, and I say go test it for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. try some different weight arrow setups and go shoot them, and then decide. Oh yeah, I could go, and a lot of people are say you're a little bit stiff and spine to start with maybe you can just go from a 100 grain head to a 125 and get a little more mass or maybe um you can add our, our impact collar if you're shooting a 204 diameter arrow like yeah. an axis um axis or kinetic or rampage um, you can just slide our impact collar over it and add 10 or 25 grains there if you're properly spine um and don't even have to glue it on just slip it on and shoot and see what trajectory looks like but i'd I encourage people to go experiment themselves to figure out what's what's best for them in in the mass versus speed. Agreed. You know, I, I kind of want to get your thought and pick your brain a little bit on and <laughs> where do you see or if there is a benefit to shooting a micro diameter arrow, arrow versus say your your standard eastern axis five mil or even some of the six mil arrows that are out there like do you see a benefit yeah. in micro diameter versus the others mm-hmm. so um there is a little benefit there but it's i think it's blown out of proportion a bit and it, it depends on um what, what you're testing through right mm-hmm. and i see this let me jump on that for a minute. I see a lot of tests where they're shooting through ballistics gel or um, or 
or foam or things like that and mm-hmm. comparing say broadheads or aeroshaft and and the and like ballistics gel is really i mean it's really cool i shoot through it too i like to look at rotation with single bubbles through it um cool stuff fun stuff it's a terrible predictor of broadhead penetration on animals because it's dominated by friction on the shaft yeah and it, if you think so it has very little separation and i mean i've seen uh um yeah i go ahead and say i've seen a rage broadhead i'll penetrate a valkyrie broadhead on that ballistics gel test now that doesn't make any sense right that a small diameter fixed head would not out penetrate a mechanical two two inch plus right yeah it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen on animals i can tell you I push them both through hide, muscle, scapula. It's not going to happen on animal, but but in ballistics gel, it it showed the mechanical how penetrated it, and it's because it's so much dominated by friction on the shaft and any surface area. Um, but in an animal, you don't have that high friction on the shaft. You've got you're going once you cut through that hide, you're going through tissue and blood, and you know it's lubricating the shaft blood is probably a shear thinning material i won't mm-hmm. go into all that but it's um it's you're not less gonna dense have, you're not gonna have high you're not gonna have high friction you're not gonna have high pressure of that tissue onto the shaft either like you have in and fo- say foam mm-hmm. you know stopping an arrow targets are stopping the arrow because you push that foam out and it's got high pressure pushing back and you got high friction and sometimes you'll melt it right onto the arrow shaft right um and in foam if you shoot a micro diameter arrow in there and you have a big bulb on your broadhead or on your field point for instance it might out penetrate uh, a bigger diameter shaft by a lot because of that shaft friction is reduced yeah because it has less that it's trying to push through yeah because it's Let's say that bulb, that broadhead kind of pop pushes out that foam and it, you know, it takes a little bit of time. Once it's pushed out, it takes a little bit of time to you know, kind of come back and, and put that friction on. And so you have an area where there's very low friction, very low force in the shaft. And then, you know, as it's, as it comes back, push on the shaft, it'll start stopping it. But you compare that to say, if you got a, um, a field point that's, um, Let's say it's a 340 diameter point in your mm-hmm. shaft is 340, 340 diameter also or three or five sixteenths of five sixteenths and you immediately have that same friction on the shaft it slows it down more so i think people get fooled a bit in foam targets or ballistics gel and how much um either a broadhead will penetrate one over the other or um or how much the shaft diameter matters okay so in reality, I think there is some improvement because there's less on that smaller diameter shaft. There's there is less drag. There's less you know fluid drag, I guess. Yeah. Less surface less surface area there um, through the air and through an animal. I can tell you personally, I think it's kind of I think it's fairly minimal. I mean, I like I liked the improvement I was seeing when I went from a standard, which is like a two four six diameter mm-hmm. or six millimeter down to a 204 diameter or a five millimeter. No. Um, and it's, so I think there's a small improvement in penetration and, and there's an improvement in, in wind drift also, um, less wind drift with less diameter to the shaft, but it's probably, you know, it's going to be partial to kind of that surface, that total surface area. Um, if you're looking at it from the side. So I think it's probably less than a 10%. Let's say if you're going to have a 10, a 10 inch drift, and this is kind of from my calculations and kind of my observations is, you know, if you're going to have say a 10 inch drift and a high wind at, you know, hundred yards with, with a five millimeter arrow, um, going to a four millimeter, maybe you're an inch or two less, maybe you're nine inches instead of 10 or eight and a half. Um, that's the ballpark, I think, of how much improvement there is in penetration. I think it's probably a less than a 10% difference yeah. because I think that and it really depends on what you go through um, and how much how much kind of friction on the shaft there is in what you're going through. Is it dense muscle? Is it a liver? Is it, you know, it's kind of hard to say. But the problem with going from those micro diameters is that 
is you get more limited in components and in strength. And so I think there's good improvement. I don't see a reason not to go say from six millimeter down to five millimeter, which is like a two, four, six ID down to a two Oh four ID. Yep. Um, I feel like that's kind of a sweet spot where why not do it? You get some, some improvement and less wind drift, a little less drag, a little more penetration, no real trade-offs. I, I feel with, with the reinforced hit system, um, you get better alignment, um, of your broadhead to the, cause it's lying to the ID of the shaft, mm-hmm. still shoot a standard head, reinforce it with that impact collar. I feel like that's a great setup to get all the benefits. Now, if you go down further than that, down to four millimeter or that one, six, five, one, six, six ID, I don't really push guys that way unless they're like, man, I want to shoot my arrows and I'm excited about it because the, the negative is you got to, um, you either go to an outsert or half out, which I don't like for strength. You know, you kind of have that breaker bar out in front, your yeah. broadhead's mounted, inch out, your broadhead's mounted at least in, about an inch out in front of the shaft. So you got a long lever arm if you get any side impact. And to be honest, a lot of the components you get free with arrows that are half outs or outserts. And I saw this a lot of tack guys are coming up and showing me their arrow setup with those. A lot of it's aluminum, but often steel too. Yeah. Just a half outer outsert with a broadhead or field point mounted that far out. And just shooting through foam, we can spin their arrows and see they're starting to wobble. They started straight. You shoot through a bunch of 3D targets, still just hitting foam, but you know, hitting hard spots in the target or whatever. Yeah, those things bend way too easy. Don't use them. Um, so you know, with micros, if you want to, I like building the strength into the arrow. I say rather than having it, you know, kind of something strong or having that lever arm way out in front. Yep. And the system there for micros, it's either deep six or we make this system call our Snyder core system that's really long shank one inch shank that goes down in the arrow um it has good alignment to the arrow and good strength when you add that impact collar I mean that's a great system I feel like if you want to shoot micros where you're not doing a real trade-off in strength or or alignment and tolerance stack up like you get with outshirts or half outs but the negative it's a custom it's a custom system you can't just screw in another broadhead another field point whatever so that's true. I don't really push people that way unless they're like excited about micros, want to get that little more benefit in wind drift, a little more benefit and less less wind drag penetration. But it's it's pretty custom. Um, so anyway, that's kind of where I feel like that 204 diameter is kind of a sweet spot where you're not paying more for your arrows because four millimeter arrows are more expensive too. Um, <laughs> as you go down in size, six millimeter, five millimeter, four millimeter your costs increase to get those kind of marginal improvements. So I feel like that 204 is kind of a sweet spot really. Um, and if to go beyond that, um, you're paying more money, you get a little more benefit, but it's becomes, it takes a little more effort, you know, to get, to get there, I think because of that. I got it. Got it. Well, man, I I know we're running out of time here, but before we leave, I kind of want you to give the listeners some parting advice one last time when it comes to getting that arrow selected for whatever game they're chasing, kind of just let them have that little bit of information before we part ways. Yeah. What I, you know, this is kind of my, my top five things for, you know, what's, what's great, how to improve your arrow setup for you know, bow hunting. Um, Cause a lot of info out there, a lot of what, what archery shop push you towards is, um, good flight for target shooting, 3D target shooting, right? That's one school. Another school is like, go massive, heavy, you need really heavy. So um, what I think is is more important is, you know, and these are kind of the top points is arrow flight, you know, accuracy is kind of most important. Don't do anything that's not going to give you good arrow flight. You know, get your bow tuned. Um, make sure you have a fletch and back. You have good stability with your broadhead. Uh, make sure you're spined properly. If anything, any other decisions are are screwing that up, you're making a bad decision. So that's kind of number one. Um, you know, durability is is pretty important too. Yeah, I feel I feel that um, what durability gives you is shot options, or it saves you 
when, you know, the animal moves. So, and, you know, I lived this on that elk 18 year, years ago, whatever it was, when I shot through scapula, it didn't penetrate. Mm-hmm. So to me, having a strong components um, in your arrow and then strong, you know, feral blade material, good sharpness, edge retention, good strength. You know, I feel like that's important when you're impacting bones and need to get, get through there or give you shot options too. If you're shooting straight down through a whitetail spine, um, or if you're, if you got a frontal on a bowl, um, and you just catch that inside of, of any of those bones anyway. So arrow flight, number one, durability, and this, you know, these are an attributes list too, and I'm not going to, I wouldn't disagree with those at all. You know, beyond that, when you start getting into the arrow setup, um, you know, two, Choose mass over speed, but within the limits of your trajectory, you know. Um, I like so um, you can get you can get some benefit by adding mass. It's not there's not some threshold where you know you'd be at 650 to to get through something. It's a continuous improvement. And it's really that mass times velocity downrange that that matter the most. And um, but you get a little bit benefit with mass over speed, but you know choose the speed you want to you want to shoot at. Um, so you know those are key. I think. You can get a lot of benefit if you have low force to penetrate. So have a very sharp broadhead that retains that edge. And that's a bigger factor than mass. And people miss that. That's not talked about enough out there. Too many broadheads aren't sharp, um, especially, you know, one piece solid heads out there, whether they're two blade or three blade. A lot of those one piece solid, just the process they use to make them often doesn't make them very sharp. So if you can't shave hair with the head, don't don't use it too much force to penetrate. You're not, you're going to push a lot of tissue aside, not slice it, not get that quick kill. That's a bigger problem really than mass or these other things that you talked about a lot. So those, you know, those are just some key things that I would, I would recommend to have effective bow hunting setups. Man, I love it. I think listeners are going to be able to take a lot from this, uh, man, your, your knowledge is extensive. And so just thank you for hopping on the podcast and sharing it with us today, man. Yeah, you bet. It's, uh, you know, it's what I do every day and it's really because I love bow hunting and I want to be more effective at it every year. And, um, you know, just trying to help people apply these things to be more successful. It, it, it really, there was a time when I just wanted to make the best broadhead for myself. Yep. I wanted to be best, the best bow hunter just myself. But at this point I really enjoy helping other people be successful as well. So anything I can do to help you out, just let me know. Love it, man. Well, tell tell listeners real quick where they can find y'all on social media and website. Yeah, our website is um, ironwalloutfitters.com. That's also our our social our Instagram is ironwalloutfitters. We're on Facebook too. You can message us through those if you have questions. Um, but probably the best way is to you know email our customer service. We got uh, a great lady Bailey um, doing doing our tech support. She's got a vast experience with. Bow setups, arrow setups, um, compound, competitive Sweet. compound, traditional. So, and I've spent many hours with her doing tech, you know, tech discussions. So, feel free to call our um, tech support or email our tech support if you want arrow setup questions. You know, we'll we'll field them. Um, if there's something you really got to talk to me about, let her know, and mm-hmm. she'll try and put you through to me too. Um, Assuming I'm not out, you know, in the wilderness for 10 days, I will call you back. <laughs> Y'all on TikTok yet or not yet? I think we are actually. Um, what? We got a new guy, Marty, helping us out with a lot of, he's a, he's a new hire in the last couple months. So okay. he's uh, doing our social media photos, videos. He's a great guy too. He's a, he's a diehard bow hunter and iron wheel customer and uh, enjoying yeah. us. I think he is posting some videos on TikTok and, and YouTube. Have- yeah, check out our YouTube channel. There's a lot of like, informative stuff out there on our the test the test and hunts we're doing as well sweet man bill thanks for your time today and hopping on the hunt stand podcast you bet will good talking to you good luck on your hunts this year thanks man you too all right y'all there you go we got mr iron will bill on here to talk about arrows and hopefully you learn just as much as i did every time i talk to this man i learn way way more so Hopefully you'll be able to take something from this, apply it to your arrows, whatever you're going to be doing with your arrow setup this year. But just remember, at the end of the day, we're thinking about the animal being ethical and trying to make a quick ethical shot. So that way you can ultimately fill your freezer. So 
Other than that, we just want to thank Bill for hopping on the Hunt Stand podcast, dropping some knowledge nuggets to y'all, and we will see y'all on the next one.